And we already have the series that we just finished, Tutti Frutti. We already have it in a beautiful box. Um, Rod Williamson over there, raise your hand, Rod. He does most of our artwork for us. Well, that wasn't raising your hand. There you go. And uh, beautiful job. And just want to let you know it's available. It was a great series, strong series. Got a lot of good feedback on it. So it's out there at the tape table. And maybe somebody you know needs it. That's a good thing about tapes. You don't have to be there, though we love for you to be here. You can carry the message to somebody. Now, Joshua 3, verse 1. I want to begin to talk to you today, just minister to you over the next few weeks on the subject of change. Change is a part of life. And we as a church are about to enter into a real change, but a change for the good. And uh, I thought about calling this something uh, respectable and sort of plain vanilla like the challenge of change or whatever. But the more I thought about it, the more I just wanted to call it this, change or croak. (laughs) Change or croak. And the more I thought about that, the more I thought, that's really true. You change or you really do. You croak. Amen. And some of you are looking at great change from the hand of God, so I hope this ministers to you. Now, Joshua 3, 1, children of Israel are about to experience incredible change. It says, then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So there are 40 years of wandering about to change. They're about to walk across the Jordan and step into the promised land. So it says in verse 2, So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Now take note of that. Watch that ark, and when you see it go by, then you follow. Now verse 4, yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know, by, or may know the way by which you must go. For you have not, now here's the key line, for you have not passed this way before. You're about to go into uncharted territory. You're about to enter change. So you watch that ark. Don't get so familiar with it that you get right up to it. Keep your distance, but follow it because you've never been this way before. This is new. This is change. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today, and we pray that you'll prepare this church body for change. And not only our body, our church family, but every person here, Lord, I believe you're knocking on the door of many hearts to bring change. And I pray you'll help us to be more receptive to it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to preach to your neighbor and turn to him and say, change or croak. Amen. Change or croak. And I want to encourage you to turn off your cell phones. If you have a cell phone that's turned on and it goes off, I'm going to come down and answer it, and I'm going to welcome them to church. And I would ask that there be as little movement as possible. 
uh, keep the teenagers still. I know sometimes we have to get up, but uh, please, as little movement as possible because people are concentrating. And I want us to hear this because I believe that change is a part of walking with God. Change is absolutely necessary. We've got to learn to flex and change or we will not experience everything that God's got for us. We've got to change in business. You've got to change with relationships. You've got to change and flex with life or life will leave you behind. We need to learn to change. Now, the story has picked up when Israel has been wandering for 40 years. I want you to think about that. 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And what was God trying to do with them? He was trying to get them to adapt to change. That's all. Trying to get them to adapt to change. All they'd known was Egypt. And now he's trying to get them to change. And all they had to do was trust him. All they had to do was believe him and walk in his word and change with him. That's it. For 40 years, they had been used to three things. When we arrive here at Joshua 3, verse 1, these people were used to three things never changing for 40 years. And 40 years was a generation. That's a Bible generation. For three or for 40 years, three things never changed. And here's what they were. Moses, their leader. Same leader for 40 years, never changed. Manna, their daily provision, never changed for 40 years. If you can imagine that, 40 years of eating the same thing. That never changed. And the third thing that never changed was the cloud by day and the fire by night. That was their guidance. Their leader, their daily provision, or their source, and their guiding lights, the cloud by day and the fire by night. When God was going to lead the children of Israel on, the cloud would move and the fire would move. And they would move with it. If they looked out and saw that the cloud had moved, they would pull up their tent pegs and they would move down the trail. And they would stop underneath the cloud and underneath the fire. And that never changed. So they began to associate the presence of God and the guidance of God with that cloud and that fire. And they became very accustomed to it. The daily provision, manna. Go out and gather the manna. I mean, they had manna every which way but loose. If you can imagine, manna for 40 years. And Moses, same leader for 40 years. And literally overnight, when they reached the Jordan, overnight, all three of these things changed. That's huge change. Joshua replaced Moses. It says in the Bible that the manna ceased. As soon as they crossed the Jordan, the source of their provision ceased. And the ark, the ark replaced the cloud and the fire. The ark replaced it. No longer was the cloud there and no longer the fire. They were replaced by the ark, which we just read. He said, you watch the ark now, not the cloud, not the fire. Now you watch the ark. Everything changed. This was huge change. Everything they were familiar with for 40 years shifted. And it was all from God. This change was from God. And what I want us to understand about God is he never changes, but he brings change. God never changes, never alters. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that was there with them is here with us today. And that's the God we will be with for all eternity. He does not change. But 
He changes us and he changes circumstances and he changes and shifts things in our life. As a matter of fact, to encounter God is to encounter change. If you don't want to change, don't get near God because God's going to bring change to you. All that they were used to and familiar with was not just changed but removed. The new replaced the old. The unfamiliar replaced the familiar. God didn't change, but his methods changed. His methods of dealing with them changed. Still the same God, but not the same modus operandi. God's ways changed. Now, I want to talk to you today about change and for the next few weeks because we're about to change. We're going to go through some change. And guess what? God's purpose for our church has not changed. The God we worship has not changed. But God is bringing change to us as a church body. He's bringing change. And that change is going to bless us. Amen? It's going to be a good change. Now, here's what I've noticed about change. You know, when I was 18 years old, I gave my life to Christ and began to follow him. I'm 54 now. I've been in this thing 36 years. I can't believe that. And I don't feel 54 but my gray hair betrays me. But I want to tell you something. I've been around long enough to see that God brings change, and I've learned that our ability to flow and to flex with change and transition can determine whether or not we stay in a move of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in a petrified church. I don't want to be God's frozen chosen. I don't want our watchword to be, well, this is the way we've always done it. That's the phrase of death. I want to be in a church that can flex and flow and go with God. Because God never changes, but he brings change. And he changes his methods. God brings change. Now, I want to share four things about change with you today that is not only going to apply to us as a church, but you as a person first thing is this. When God gets ready to do something fresh, change is usually a part of the deal. When he's going to do something fresh, change is a part of the deal. And it often comes like we see in this text. In this text, we saw that leadership may change. Now, leadership, unless I'm not hearing something God's telling me, leadership isn't going to change with me and Kathy. We're here. And, and, and you're our church family, and we need you. And I think you need us. But watch this now. Leadership still may change because as we move forward, there's going to be leaders added. Leadership changes. Different leaders do different things. And different leaders have different strengths. Have you ever noticed that? And leadership often changes as God brings something new and something fresh. Notice in the wilderness, Moses was the lawgiver, and they needed a lawgiver in the wilderness. God carried him up into the mountain. He received the Ten Commandments, which ought to be hanging on every school classroom wall and on every home refrigerator. Don't gr Hey, watch this now. Don't complain that they've taken them off the school wall if you don't have them on your refrigerator. You ought to lead the way. So, well, they're not in the classroom wall anymore. Well, then let them be somewhere where your kids can see them. Because what God gave Moses was an incredible, an incredible blueprint for life. And if those commandments are honored, God will bless you. You say, well, Jesus changed all that. No, Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law. And so Jesus 
fully fulfilled the commandments. And those commandments are still good. But Moses was the lawgiver. He brought that law down from the mountain, his face glowing in the dark. They had to put a veil over his face. Those commandments were received with such glory. And he gives them that law. They needed a lawgiver in the wilderness. Here's how you live life. But then Joshua was the warrior. In the wilderness, they needed a lawgiver. But in the promised land, they needed a warrior. Leadership changed when God began to change and do a new thing with his people. Change in leadership. Now, here's the way we tend to look at it in church. If leadership changes, here's what we say to ourselves. Oh, something must be wrong. Something's going on behind the scenes we don't know about. And we get real suspicious if leadership changes. But you know what? Leadership change can mean a very good thing. It can mean that God is doing a new thing. And so leadership needs to change because different leaders have different emphases. And the emphasis on a church can change. And you find that not only will leadership often change when God does a new thing, but methods change. God's methods change. For 40 years, God's method of feeding the children of Israel was manna on the ground every morning. Now, I was thinking about this in between services, and I thought, multiply 365 times 40, and that's how many times they ate manna. Ah! This was not IHOP. This was the same thing every day. You had to go out there and gather it every morning. And I just hear these women, well, you know, Jacob, did you get out there and get the manna? No, you go get it today. We got to get it before the sun rises or it'll rot. So they'd go out there and gather that manna. And think about it. You quit saying what's for breakfast because you knew it was going to be manna. I mean, they had boiled manna, poached manna, fried manna, scrambled manna, grilled manna. But it was still the same manna. And don't you know they were so glad when God said, let's cross over now. As a matter of fact, when they began to eat the fruit of the land, they hadn't had anything like that in 40 years. Manna. But when the day came when the manna ceased, they began to eat the fruit of the land. God changed his method of providing for them but his purpose of providing for them never changed. You know, we've got to get used to the fact, folks, that God may change the way that our, our, our needs are met. He may change the source from which we get money, from which our needs or provision comes. But God says, no matter how it gets to you, the source is the same. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. I will not deny you, for to deny you is to deny myself. So no matter how it comes to you, God is always going to provide. But when he brings change, often the source of your provision, that is where you've been getting it, the business, the job, whatever, may change. God's purpose, though, doesn't change. For 40 years, he had been preparing them to occupy the land. His method of caring for them then changed, but his purpose remained the same. And I want you to understand, I know it's a, an unnerving thing when you lose a job or your job changes or your source changes, but I want you to know that God is there and God is going to take care of you. He always has and he always will. And if you give him your needs and he doesn't take care of you, you're the first one in the history of the world that God did not take care of. God's going to take care of you. Now notice this also, when God brings change, your focus often shifts with change. 
your focus. For years, they'd focused on the cloud and the fire as their source of guidance. Listen to the word, quote, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire. You know how comforting that was? If you got up in the middle of the night, couldn't sleep, having a bad night, you just stuck your head out of the tent and looked up, and there was that big ball of fire, God's fire hanging over the camp. You looked up and you said, it's going to be okay. God is there. And in the daytime, if you got a little bit nervous, wondered where God was, you just looked up and there was that cloud, supernatural cloud, hanging over the camp. And when that cloud moved, you moved. When it stayed, you stayed. You began to know that God was there, always there. But then that changed. When it came time for God to carry them to a brand new place, he changed their focus to the ark. Like we just read, God said, for 40 years you have looked at the cloud and the fire, but now I'm changing that. I want your focus to be this. I want you to look at the ark and you follow the ark. And they had to adapt to major change. You know how many times they looked up and nothing was there? They were so used to looking up and suddenly nothing's there. God said, God, change your focus. I want you to look this way. I want you to look at the ark. Now, understand something today. A church may be led by God to focus on certain aspects of his character. Every church has a personality. Every church has a spiritual level. Every church has reached a place spiritually with God. And wherever that church is, they have a focus. I can tell you where a church's water level is, where their spiritual level is, within 10 to 15 minutes of visiting that church. I can go in there and tell you exactly where they are. You know why? Because you're going to hear about their focus. They're either going to be talking about faith, talking about provision, talking about miracles. There are some churches that focus exclusively on speaking in tongues. Don't think that's a good idea. But some churches build their whole church on that, and that's where they are. That's their focus. For some people, it's restoration. For some people, it's evangelism. But every church is like a great big person, and that person has a focus. And that church grows together to different spiritual levels. Now, I want to tell you, we've grown We've grown spiritually. And, and I can tell that as one person, as one unit, our focus is undergoing a change. Because you see, God first deals with you on the inside, and then he leads you to minister to the outside. When he gets ready to carry a church to a new place, he may change that church's focus or emphasis to something like evangelism. I want you to notice this. In the wilderness, Israel's focus was inward. Deuteronomy 8.2. Listen to what God says about them. God says to the children of Israel in the wilderness, you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now listen to what he says about him. So he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger. And he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now I want you to notice what he said. God was dealing with them in the wilderness on the inside. He was humbling you. He was testing you. He was seeing what was in your heart. He was realigning some things in you. Because they had been delivered out of Egypt, but they had not had Egypt taken out of them. 
So God took 40 years to get Egypt and Egyptian thinking out of them. Now you have come to Christ. Most of you in here are saved. You've been washed in the blood. The Holy Spirit's in your heart. But guess what? Now God's job is to get the world you lived in out of you. He wants worldly thinking out of you. He wants worldly ways out of you. He wants the world purged from your thinking and from your heart. And he wants to replace it with heavenly thinking, the renewing of your mind, so that you may understand what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So when God begins to deal with you and me, he begins on the inside. Did you know that happiness is an inside job? That, that if you're going to be happy, it does not depend on what's going on out here. Can I tell you today, I'm a happy man. I really am. I'm a happy guy. I have peace with God. I walk with the Lord. Sometimes it gets really bad and I get joy fits. I mean, I just thank God for his goodness. I had one yesterday standing in that building. It washed all over me. And I said, look at what the Lord has done. And look what he's about to do. Buckle your seatbelts because God's going to do something wonderful. We're going to have a good time. I'm not looking forward to a bunch of work. I'm looking forward to fun. But I can tell you honestly, as long as I walk with God, I have peace with God. I have happiness on the inside. Because when Jesus came into my heart, he began to do something on the inside. And that's what he did with the wilderness wanderers. He dealt with them on the inside. It was an inside job. He was dealing with the inward. But at the Jordan, God's focus changed and it became outward. He said, now that I've dealt with you on the inside and your attitude is right and your walk with me is right, now you're going to take the promised land. See, they couldn't take the outward until they had conquered the inward. And when the inward was conquered, then they went and conquered what was out here. you got to let Jesus have his way in your heart. You've got to submit yourself to the word of God. You've got to say, Lord, whatever I feel or don't feel, I'm going to live according to this book. I'm going to do what it tells me to do. I'm going to obey you. And when you do that, God begins to change you on the inside. He arranges and rearranges and alters and, and fixes and restores and establishes his life in you. And then he says, now, go take the land. Now, can I tell you, God's been dealing with the insides of this church for three years. And now we're about to go outward and take the land. Can you give God praise? So God said, now that it's all changing, I'm changing your focus. I want you to focus on the ark. Now, here's the second thing about change. It's got to be accepted by the people. Change has got to be embraced and accepted by the people. Failure to embrace change is the death of a move of God. Folks, I'm going to tell you, life is change. You've got to change in business. You've got to change in your relationships. You've got to change in your marriage. You've got to change. You've got to be open to change. And I'm going to tell you, I don't like change. And neither do you. We have something inside of us that likes everything to remain the same. I can tell because some of you even believe your chair, the chair you sit in, is yours. You're in the same one every week. You think I didn't notice that. And bless God, if somebody was in your chair when you came walking in, we'd have strife in church. Because that's your chair. 
You know, Kathy and I, we've been in the same home for 17 years. And I know it's going to take a stick of dynamite for me to blow her out of that, that house because we're used to that house. That's our house. We've been there since it was built. And so we don't like change, do we? Tell the truth. We like everything to remain the same. We like the same old, same old. We like predictable. We like knowing that something was, is going to be the same tomorrow that it was yesterday. John Mason said, too often our minds are locked on one track. We're looking for red, so we overlook blue. We're thinking tomorrow, and God is saying now. We're looking everywhere, and the answer is under our nose. The children of Israel, after 40 years of failure, finally embraced change. And they said to Joshua these words, All that you command us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. They said, I don't want to die like Mama did. I don't want to die in the wilderness like Daddy did. I'm going to go with you, Lord. I'm going to go with the flow. I'm willing to change. I'm not going to resist you. I'm not going to kick against it because this is what you're requiring of me, that I'm going to flex and I'm going to change and I'm going to go with the flow because I want to be in the center of what God is doing. And man, I'm telling you, there's people that are in churches today only because that's where daddy sat. And their daddy was there only because that's where granddaddy sat. And you ask them, why are you in this church? I don't know. It's just where my dad sat. Or I don't know. It's just where I've always been. We need a vision. We need a word from God. He's got a call on your life. And you have been called to flow with him, to go with him, and grow with him, and to reach out and touch other people. And only flexible, change-willing people can do that. Amen. Say with me, you cannot grow if you don't embrace change. Now I want you to preach it to me. Say it a little bit better. You cannot grow. If you cannot embrace change, you can't walk backward into the future. You can't pitch a tent back there and say, well, I'm going to stay back there because that's where I was and where I've always been. If you build a tent in the past, you can't go forward. Some people stay so far in the past, the future's gone by the time they get there. And I've known them. You can miss God. If God changes people, embrace it. If God changes methods, embrace it. If God changes your focus, embrace it. Everybody's in favor of progress. It's the change we don't like. Now, let me tell you another thing about change. Most people change not because they see the light, but because they feel the heat. I wish that I could say, and it's, it's not true of me, and it's not true of you. Well, I just had a revelation, and, I, and I, I'm so willing to change. I'm so glad that God's bringing change. I so look forward to it. I just salivate over the idea of change. I'd be lying to you. Most of the change that's ever come to me, I felt the heat. God has a way of rustling your nest. I was reading about ravens, of all things, last night. And Jesus said that God will even feed the ravens, one of the most unlikable of birds, but he'll feed the ravens when they cry out to him. And you know what I found out about ravens? When they reach a certain age in that nest, their mother will boot them out. And there is a season when that raven is booted out of the nest. There's a season where he really can't hunt. He can't go look for his own food. And so supernaturally, somehow it gets to him. This is a fact. 
God feeds those ravens between being kicked out of the nest and learning to get their own food. He rustles their nest and boots them out. And that's the way God will do with you and me. Suddenly circumstances will begin to change. Or we'll experience an inexplicable restlessness in our soul. And God is rustling the nest because he's going to bring change. Change is a fresh forerunner of a fresh move from God. If you reject it, you'll stagnate and fossilize. God's frozen chosen. We are here because we've always been here. No, 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 no. If you accept it, you'll grow and you'll be blessed. How many of you want to be blessed? Do you really want to be blessed? We got to flex and flow. What is God wanting to change in your life? Where are you resisting change? In your marriage? In your ways? In your thinking? In your habits? Where is God wanting to bring change? Now let me tell you a final thing about change. When God changes things, you're always better off than you were before. When God changes things, here's what I've learned about God. When God brings change, it's because he wants to improve my life. He wants to bless me more than, he, more than I was before. And it begins at salvation. When you give your heart to the Lord, he's going to bring change to your life, radical change. When I gave my heart to the Lord, I've been living in the world, not raised in church for a day. I didn't know a thing about Jesus. But when I gave my heart to the Lord, sitting in a juvenile home, Jesus came into my heart. And the first thing he began to do was change me on the inside. All I had known was drugs and sinful living and, and, and all the things that are out there in that world ready to devour and destroy your life. That's all I'd ever known. But when I gave my heart to Jesus, nobody told me what, what ought to happen. Nobody got me into a church. He just began to bring change to me. And I had to be willing to change at every turn. But every time I let him change me, I was more blessed after the change than I was before. And God never takes something out, but what he puts something into your life that's better than was there before. Joshua, the new leader, carried them into the promised land. Yes, the manna ceased. But guess what? The manna was replaced with the fruit of the land. Which do you think was better? The cloud and the fire were replaced by the ark. And the ark brought them victory over their enemies at every turn. Which was better, defeat in the wilderness or victory over the enemies? Every time God brought change, they were better off. How many of you can say, I've never followed God, I've never given my heart to Him, never gone where He wanted me to go, but I didn't end up in a better place than I was before He ever came knocking? Amen? When Kathy and I lived in uh, East Texas, uh, we had some friends, George and Jerry Teske, we've had them here before, um, many of you have met them, but they had a dog named Honeybee. Honeybee was this beautiful uh, blonde Labrador retriever. Beautiful dog. And Honeybee was one of these dogs that could catch a Frisbee. No matter how far you threw it, how high, how fast, this dog would run it down and catch it. One day I had a Frisbee out there, and I'm out there with Honeybee. Honeybee would stand right here and look up at you as if to say, pull. And i go, oh, as hard as I could. And I can throw a Frisbee way out there. And she would go like streak lightning. She would get under that Frisbee before it ever landed, looking at it, catching it in her mouth, come trotting up to you, spit it at your feet as if to say, uh-huh, uh-huh, nothing you can throw me. 
I can't catch. So I tried and tried and tried and tried. She caught it every time. Poetry in motion. A Kodak moment. Every time she snatched that Frisbee out of the air. Beautiful. One day I got a little mischievous. I got a second Frisbee. (laughs) And I said, go, honeybee. Through the first one. There she goes. She got it. She's about halfway back. And I pulled out the other one. If a dog can go cross-eyed, this dog went cross-eyed. She looked, and it was like, wait, I can't be seeing that. It's in my mouth. But it's another one. And there was a moment of decision. And I was rolling. I couldn't believe it. Beautiful. She froze. Frisbee hanging out of her mouth, looking at this other one headed her way. And she made a decision, a decision that a lot of people don't have enough sense to make. She looked at it, looked at me, looked at it, looked at me, spit out the old one, (laughs) ran and got the new one, halfway back, picked up the old one with the new one, walked them both up to me, spit them at my feet. And you know, God speaks to you through many things. And I was sitting there and it was like the Lord said to me, see that? A lot of people don't have that sense. The sense that when something new is coming your way, you got to spit something old out to receive something new. And I'm telling you, there is a Frisbee coming our way. That's right. Here it comes. And some of you are feeling cross-eyed. You've gotten used to this building. You've gotten used to this drive. Matter of fact, you're not real thrilled when we talk about moving. It may be a little bit further for you. It may be a different highway for you. You're kind of going, you know, why can't they just stay where they are? Why do we always have to be going through change? But I got to tell you, there's a new Frisbee coming our way. It's thrown by the hand of God. And we're going to have to let go of some things in order to grab the new. I don't know about you, but for me, Here we go. Here we go. I'll let go of this building. Been a beautiful Frisbee, but bye-bye because I'm going to catch the new. And you know what? We're going to take the new to the feet of the master. And he's going to say, see, wasn't it better to let go of the old and receive the new? He's got a blessing for you. He's got a purpose for you. He's got milk and honey for you. He's got something better than you've known. But we've got to lay the old down to receive the new. I'm going for the new. What about you? I'm going for the new. Let's stand up together, can we? Fresh change is coming to this church. We're in an exciting time of change. But our purpose remains the same. And I want you to repeat this with me because this is our purpose. To celebrate His presence. Demonstrate His love. Communicate His word. Incorporate His family. And educate His people. Let me put it another way for you. Inward spiritual growth. Outward spiritual harvest, upward spiritual worship. Everything we do and everything we're about will be in one of those three things, and we won't touch anything else. That's our Frisbee. Inward spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, the fruit of the Spirit. Outward spiritual harvest, souls. Upward spiritual worship, giving glory to God. In reach, 
outreach, upreach. I'm going to get a t-shirt with that on it, inreach, outreach, upreach. People say, what does that mean? Well, we build people up to maturity in Christ. We reach out and we win them to Christ. We reach up and we worship Christ. And it's just that simple. And it'll never change. That won't ever change. Surroundings might, but not our purpose. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you for change, positive change, good change, God-glorifying change. We thank you, Lord, for change. And we pray, Lord, that as we move forward to the next level and we seize that new Frisbee, we let go of the old one. Thank you, Lord, we'll be better off than we were before because you are in charge. Thank you, Lord God, for your presence and for your goodness. Now, I want you, as Steve leads us in a final song, I want you to stop and think and pray. Lord, where are you wanting me to change? Where are you rustling the nest? Are you calling me to lay anything down so that I can grab what is new? Speak to me about it, Lord, and help me to make that change. You pray as we sing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.